saying how much they want a strong woman. What they really want is a cheerleader. I'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. Hello everyone and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 286. I had to eat some Korean barbecue to get my fix. It's your host, Ify Wadi Wei, and in the booth with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have one of the just sexiest critics uh, in America. It's none other than our in-house Christmas zaddy, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Sorry, I'm busy changing my business cards. I'll be right back. <laughs> uh, what's good, Ify, is uh, there's a, a, a queer cartoonist named Rob Kirby. I've been a fan of his for years. He had a, a really great uh, weekly strip that ran in a lot of uh, uh, LGBT papers called Curbside. Uh, a while back, and he's been doing different, you know, illustrating and story stuff over the years, but now has a new book out that I think is really terrific. It's called Marry Me a Little, and it is a sort of graphic memoir about the process by which he and his long-term boyfriend got married because they could. And, you know, that's been sort of a recent, relatively recent phenomenon in this country where, like, couples who have been together for a long time suddenly were like, oh, we can actually do this thing. So how are we going to do that? And uh, it's just, it's a really sweet and funny story about all the steps they kind of went through to sort of make that happen and their history as a couple and, you know, sort of the larger context of, of what marriage means in this country. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a sweet book. I enjoyed it very much. I highly recommend it. It is just out this week. So, you know, if you're looking for like, a wedding gift or a gift for somebody you know who maybe just got engaged or somebody who is into comics or likes queer stuff or whatever, uh, I highly, highly recommend Marry Me a Little. Ooh, That sounds yeah. awesome. I subscribe to his Patreon. Well, you know, something else you should subscribe to is the reign of the Queen of the Midwest <laughs> uh, because, you know, her, 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 Strength is strong. Her army is mighty. There was a huge election about changing uh, don't you know to don't you yes. Uh, don't you know still want it out. But it is none other than Super Festival programmer and producer Drea Clark. What's good? The reality of any sovereign reign I had would be that it would include um, a democracy. So, yeah, you're not wrong there. Don't you know? Um uh, What's good with me is uh, the broader concept of President Jimmy Carter. Mm. Um, very sadly this week, he uh, it was announced he went into hospice. It is possible he has left our mortal coil by the time you're hearing us. He is 98 years of age. And although he had a presidency that did not accomplish an enormous amount, and it was just uh, the one term. Um, looking at a president whose life since they left office is marked by such goodness and solid intent, like the idea of um, having had a national leader at one point who cared as much about energy and civil rights and peace in general and like um was dealing so much with human rights around the country he ha was given a nobel peace prize in the early 2000s um and obviously is very well known for being a key figure in habitat to humanity who's literally been like pounding nails into boards for decades into his 90s um so yes uh 
a, a life, you know, uh, American presidents all have blood on their hands. It comes with the job. But Jimmy Carter, way to not be a garbage person, from, from what I can tell. What a treat to have at least a couple of those. Yeah, if not our greatest president, definitely our greatest ex-president. Ooh, well put, Alonzo. Yeah. Well yeah. put. Shout out to that. Uh, <laughs> real presidential what's good. And, and it's on, uh, you know, President's Day. So, you know, you, you knocked it out the park. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, you know, when you're popping on the pod that we will sometimes have some amazing, solid guests who will make you uh, want to go uh, rush to their, their their Twitters and follow them or and buy whatever they're telling you to buy. Well, I'm telling you, to why don't you go ahead and uh, hop on Peacock and listen to, uh, listen, and watch his special Up Here Killing Myself. Or maybe, you know, watch a little bit of Daily Show. He writes or wrote for The Daily Show, The Tonight Show. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm introducing him like I'm introducing him for a set at a yeah. comedy club because I feel like it just goes on autopilot. Put your hands together. <laughs> together. Put your hands together for comedian Josh Johnson. What's good? Woo! Yay! Doing well. How about you? Pretty good. You yeah. Know, you yeah. Just, good yeah, day. Yeah. yeah. You know, got a lift in, uh, all that. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking <laughs> huge. <laughs> yeah, I try, it's his I look. Try to. Yeah. 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 I mean, the shirt as well. Like, geez. <laughs> Yeah. Like it is one of those th- I don't know, man. Like I think you're done cooking. <laughs> There's really no reason for you to pick up anything else you don't want to. I think that I think it's done. Like I know you if you're listening you can't see him but just cheese. Like it it's like it it your shoulders also they're the same size as your um head. So it's well, like, his head is not small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got that whatever uh, ratio they talk about in art, that golden triangle. So I think <laughs> yeah, that yeah. you might want to stop before you mess it up because yeah, I think yeah. if you get any more like ripped, it's gonna something something's gonna go asymmetrical, you know. And rather yeah. than have that, just just live live like this in the moment. Yeah, I feel like. Any more ripped, I'm going to start talking about sleep deprivation chambers and try and move this pod to Austin. I mean, you uh, have already said it just now. <laughs> You'll become so, cubist. I think that you you might be on to something, you know? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, anything you're hyped about recently? I mean, my special came out, which was really exciting, which you already mentioned. So now for me to mention again does seem a little thirsty. <laughs> um, but... Um, other than that, been playing a lot of NHL 95. Um, one of the greatest Sega games ever made, Sega Genesis, was a, a real masterpiece and a time to be alive. And <laughs> uh, then, besides that, I'm also trying to get in the gym to grow my shoulders to the size of at least shoulders, you know? So <laughs> one day, I'm going to be right where you are. People are going to look at me and, like, because how tall are you? Oh, I'm six one. Yeah, see, I am not. So then they'll look at me and be like, "Wow, what a freak!" Because if unless you're tall, you can't pull off the the size. Um, so I'll probably do some of that. But yeah, things are things are good. I can't complain. 
Okay, well, you're going to be real annoyed when I hold you to that next time I'm in New York. <laughs> like, Josh, you're trying to hit the gym? Yeah. You're going to be like, it's 6 a.m. No, <laughs> I won't be annoyed at all. I, I really uh, I should go more often. And uh, when I do go, I feel better about myself. All the things that people say are annoyingly true. You know, when you eat right <laughs> and when you work out, you do feel better. I think that we are on a, a very... Uh, uh, self-destructive tear with like, oh, just do whatever makes you feel good. It's like, oh, all that stuff is a bad idea. The stuff that <laughs> makes you feel good usually takes a lot of hard work and no thanks and shutting up and is is a uh, long term, which is a shame. Ify, what's good? Oh man, uh, what's good with me is I was just in uh, Portland, Pine uh, Pine Street uh, Biscuits. Hit it up if you're in there. They they do a solid biscuit, and you know people from the south will come in and be like, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And it's like it's never going to be better than what our moms made. You know, you know, I I, I never hold anyone to that <laughs> that standard ever. I never hold Nigerian food to how my dad made it. I don't hold Southern food to how my mom made it. It's just not going to beat it. It's the same reason I like Space Jam. You had it as a kid, and so now you're <laughs> you're you're addicted to it. Um, <laughs> Wait, does this place just sell biscuits? Well, yeah, they that's their thing. Like it's so it's a breakfast place, and they sell oh, okay. um, you know all these like biscuits. And I was like super hungover. I was barely barely holding it together. Which also shout out to Portland, a place that you think you're walking into a bar and it's a strip club, and you're like tight. And then you spend three hundred dollars and go. Uh, actually, I would have spent less money at a regular bar. Uh, and then you wake up hungover the next day, and you and your three black friends in an improv group, which is probably the most like corralled black people in a uh in a portland area unless it's a rap <laughs> performance and uh then you will uh get stairs but then you get some great biscuits and biscuits heal all wounds that's what you need when you're hungover yeah um that's a very me and alonzo story i'm so glad you said it because <laughs> we were both about to say that yeah yeah y'all same. always get that right <laughs> yep yeah okay. all of it yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Dre drunk before Wendy's. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like Alonzo's like I know my limit, and if he's not gonna be able to pressure me, I feel like Drea, you know, I could <laughs> I could get a drunk time for. But speaking of drunk times, there was at least one in this movie. Yeah, uh, and we'll be returning and returning to Seoul, Korea, with Return to Seoul. Then we'll have a quiz about movies with time skips. But first, it's time for Itadick, our movies news segment, where we ask the question, is this important? Do I care? Uh, Drea, why don't you kick it up? It's right there in the title. Yeah. Um, okay. So a new study has shown some slight gains for women of color in blockbusters. The Annenberg Inclusion Initiative has released findings about research it's done in diversity in film from 2007 to 2022. Specifically, the study looked at the leads and co-leads of the top Top 100 grossing films in each of those years. 2022 had the highest number of underrepresented women and non-binary people as leads and co-leads, which is good news. That said, the numbers themselves are not exactly caused to break out the old mission accomplished banner. Solid reference, Marissa. The percentage of films with women of color in lead roles rose 5% from 2021 to 2022, from 11 to 16%. Is this important? Do you care? I mean, yeah, this is one of those, well, the bar was on the floor story, and <laughs> yeah. now it's levitating just 
tiniest bit above the floor, you know. So, yay? Uh, you know, I mean, it, better than in the other direction, but yes, clearly... It's- it's also so skewed because they do this, like I said, with the hundred top grossing films, which changes the whole thing. Like if you're looking at the films I'm dealing with at a festival level of independently made, like certainly is it still harder to get financing for things with interesting representation? It is. But there's a broader things being made at an independent level. So what this is reflecting is like, oh, cool, like you're big ass blockbusters and IPs and family friendly. How many of those are animated? Like there's a whole mess of things that, that factor into this that, that aren't as maybe, maybe it's less discouraging. If I look at those, I'm like, well, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. some of these are, you know, I mean, sure. Yeah. I think on the festival level, you're always going to find more inclusion, but I think it's, if you're going to try and do sort of a year to year thing, this is, these are the oh, movies. Oh, for sure. To look at, and also I think these are the movies that, you know, n- not only were they seen by the most people, but they're the kind of movies that get seen by the most people. And, yeah. And that's where change needs to happen. And yeah, and it's also just like women in general, like that are, is still under, I think it's even with these, even you throw in the white women who can get more funding and have more sort of international marketability, as we call it. Um, even those, it's still like 40% tops that even have a co-lead that's a woman. And then you put in women over the age of 45 and it's like, bye, sorry, unless you're Meryl Streep. Yeah. See oh. in hell. Yeah, no, I, it's just like uh, one of those things of how things just can be so systemic because, you know, we're uh, one of the big conversations with the award seasons now is just how many uh, black women were snubbed in these positions. And it kind of all feeds into itself. Right. If you have like a lot of like, you know, black women leads, you know, getting nods, then you you got all the people with the money who are like, oh, maybe we should hire them because that's where it all where it all comes from. It comes from the money. We all believe the lie that black people didn't sell overseas. And then, you know, Black Panther went nutty. And now it's like, okay, we'll give them a few. But, you know, it it always isn't as much as it seems. And that's why that 5% number is so interesting is because you see, you know, everyone whining about diversity and how, you know, something about white genocide or whatever Tucker Carlson's talking about. And then you still go to your movies every week and it's like, you know, how many black films versus like white led films. Um, so I say this to say, uh, to, to say that's why, you know, uh, like Alonzo always says, uh, vote with your dollars, go support those movies, uh, that do have, you know, diverse folks in them because that's the only thing that talks, uh, in this uh, country is Monty. Diverse folks is my favorite phrase. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of talks, uh, Twitter temporarily blocked ads for the movie RRR because of language, but no, not the kind of language you're thinking of. Uh, Last week, Variance Films, the U.S. distributor of RRR, put Twitter on blast for blocking their ads because the language they're using was Telugu. And apparently at Twitter, that is not an approved language for the site, even though millions of people speak it. The ad was for the song Natu Natu, which is, of course, nominated for an Academy Award. The song itself is in Telugu. Uh, the next day, the Variance Films Twitter account uh, said the issue had been resolved. Is this important? Do you care? 
Can I tell you why I think this is important? Please. Best low-key marketing they could have ever stumbled on. Like, the fact that it is a shitty setting that Twitter, which is just a smorgasbord of nonsense and problems at this point, Mm. but, like, fine. Was that an ugly oversight on their part? Yes. Did it bring that to light? Could RRR buy that kind of, like, (laughs) across the wall? The, The amount of... News coverage. that I saw about that of like what how can you it's up for an Oscar and it's like I guarantee to you so many of the people did not know it was until now so good for them good for you RRR enjoy uh, yeah. that my, my, my sort of sub thing for this is just to, uh, to point out if you have seen RRR on Netflix um, you've seen the dub You've seen the Hindi dub, and that is mm-hmm. the the sort of the main you know the language spoken in India. And apparently, the the Telugu streaming rights were sold to somebody else entirely. Whether or not we even have access to that streamer in the U.S., I do not know. But uh, yeah, you you can't see RRR in its original language with the actual actors' voices as it was released in theaters around the globe on Netflix because of. I don't know why, but it just it seems like a very odd choice because, you know, certainly for Netflix productions, you know, they, they have them in a gajillion languages. If you if you didn't hit stop at the end, you will see every credit for every different country, you know, and, and who did the the dubbing. Uh, but, yeah, this is a huge movie, hugely popular, Academy Award nominated. And yet we can't see the Telugu version on the largest streamer in this country. It's crazy. Mm. All right. Rights, territories, rights, all that stuff. Very complicated. Yeah, I mean, that the whole—I mean, who knows what's going on behind the scenes at Twitter? (laughs) I can't even begin to even figure out what went wrong because there's nothing going right with the site right now. Mm. I mean, that could have been an accident or on purpose. You know. Also, I want to know what some of the other like banned languages are. Do they have a list? (laughs) Good point. Because I'm gonna be mad if they say Ebo, but we, you know, it is well deserved. Uh, we we earned that one. Uh, we got that one. Uh, we get clapped. Uh, but let's keep it going. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, uh, movies. Yes. <laughs> and Tim Meadows are reprising their roles uh, in the in Mean Girls. First. There was Mean Girls the movie, then there was Mean Girls the Broadway musical, now there's going to be Mean Girls the musical the movie. And that's not even the new news. On Late Night with Seth Meyers last week, Tina Fey revealed that she and Tim Meadows will both appear in the upcoming film musical version of Mean Girls, uh, playing their original roles as Miss Norbury and Principal Duvall. Is this important? Do you care? I'm psyched about that. Yeah. I also laugh a lot that... They're playing roles that they could... Teachers have to teach until they're 100. So they could redo this whenever. Like, what, are you going to retire on your fat, like, teacher retirement fund? No, of course that guy... Of course the principal is still there with his, like, probably a cast on the other wrist now. (laughs) He walked so the dad and after son could, you know, stumble. Um, But yeah, I love the two of them very much. We have discussed my lascivious thoughts about tim meadows before so i don't need to cover them again here i've probably been told somewhere officially not to i'm wondering if amy poehler can come back as the cool mom or if or or if like she gets a big number or something that is perhaps 
beyond Amy Poehler's vocal range. I don't know the musical that well, so I don't really know who has a song and who doesn't. I don't know it well either, but the one person I know is um, Renee Rapp, who's on The Sex Lives of College Girls, a television program I enjoy very much. She played the Regina George in the original like Broadway run of Mean Girls and is also playing her in the this the musical, the movie, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I'm very excited. I very much like her. She's a, a, a professional lesbian, and you know that's my favorite kind. Hooray. Oh, yeah, and the, the girl who was nominated for um, Moana is playing one of the others. Okay. Janice Ian, Auli Cravalho. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Good cast. Yeah, you shout, yeah, banger cast. We got, he- we got Heather's on Roku channel, the musical of the movie, and now we'll have Mean Girls, the musical of the movie, on Paramount+. It's going to get real musical-y on MSPs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're returning to Seoul. Maximum Film is supported in part by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. I do very much enjoy me some masterclass. And although there are things that come to mind that you like, Drea must want to be hearing Bill Nye talk about science and problem solving, because hopefully those are the things that you think of when you think of me or the many filmmakers that they have, Steve Martin and Mira Nair. What is currently piquing my interest is there is a psychotherapist named Esther Perel who has an entire course on human relationships. Human! I'm human! I have relationships! And I can take lessons! And they're all bite-sized nuggets. You can dig into them. They're generally around 10 to 15 minutes. And it is just an amazing way to... Get at a subject that you want to know. This is about the power and art of connecting with others. It's relational intelligence. And um, yeah, there's 12 of them. 12 quick little lessons. Get into Mm. it. And if you're trying to get into it, you can check it out today. Get unlimited access to every class. And as a Maximum Film listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash maxfilmnow. That's masterclass.com slash M-A-X-F-I-L-M for 15% off Masterclass. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ifiwadiwe. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Josh Johnson. Alonzo Duraldi. Today's movie premiered at last year's Cannes Film Festival and is now showing in limited release here in the U.S. It was directed by Cambodian French filmmaker Davy Chow and stars first-timer Park Ji Min in the central role. Drea, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of Return to Seoul? All right, so Park Ji Min plays a young woman named Frédéric, who goes by Freddy. She is a French woman um, who, through circumstances that seem pretty accidental, has found herself back in Seoul. And it's back in Seoul because that is where she was born. She was put up for adoption as an infant and raised by a white French family. And while there, decides to kind of again, accidentally look into her birth parents. Um, She 
connects with them slowly. We'll get into this when we uh, get into this. But she is discovering the country, sort of looking for her roots, and very much figuring out herself. And we stay with her for a few more years while she does all those things. Return to Seoul. Ooh. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, this is, I'm going to kick it off with one of Marissa's banger discussion prompts. Uh, being a Korean-French adoptee is obviously a very specific life experience. That said, did the film manage to resonate on a personal level at all? I know my answer, but I'm going to let y'all say it first. Well, I have a question for you guys based on that. So I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm from Minnesota. I might mm -hmm. have mentioned it what? at some point. And also, like, even in this film, they give this idea of, like, the level of adoptions coming out of Korea. And where I'm from in Minnesota, like, I had a large number of friends who were not just um, uh, Korean adoptees, but in transracial uh, Korean white families. So, like, there was something about this that was very recognizable. Like, the summer camp that I worked at for years, we had a week of it called Camp Choson, which was dedicated to kids who were being raised some of them by like their full family was here from Korea and some of them were Korean adoptees whose parents were trying to like still help them remain in touch with their culture or whatever so it was a very like oh this was all around me I know like half of the friends of my block growing up in St. Paul um, had like adoption stories like this but I don't know if that's and I know that she's saying personal level in terms of did you relate to any of Freddie's journey but were were was this adoption like was this as prevalent in everyone else's neighborhoods as mine? Not no, everyone mm. that I grew up with was regular black. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody was very much just here. Just regular black. Yeah. As they call it. Yeah. 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 As we always say when in no the one's yeah, yeah, no, that yeah. that is a very real, you know. You don't you y'all you, don't know this, but it's a very real <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, I, I related to it in a way that I'm sure probably, you know, is not dissimilar to, to Iffy's response, which is I think that when you are the child of immigrants and you go back to the home country, there is that one aspect of everything seeming really familiar and everything seeming really like you respond to it in a really direct way. And at the other time, feeling like a complete outsider and this interloper who's been plopped in among them, you look like them, you know, you're, you, you, you're related to them, but you're, you're from another planet, you know? And, and, and so I, I, as she was going through the stuff of the, the, the kind of um, etiquette of, of, of Korea and the way people behave versus how she'd been raised in the West, you know, uh, there were certainly things in, uh, along those lines that I could relate to. Yeah. No, same, same thing here. You know, it, it reminded me of my trip back to Nigeria where you're kind of like going, you know, going back and you've kind of heard about the culture of it all, but you haven't seen it yourself. And I was definitely able to connect with that first kind of scene, her getting involved. And even that, you know, that brash 25 year old, uh, you know, idea of like, OK, like I know how y'all do it here, but I like this is this is it. Y'all are kind of weird. I'm going to just do me. And then, like, she, 
like one of the major things I feel is she kind of like constantly socially self-destructs in a way that's very interesting and sometimes hard to watch. Like she's very she she's very much at odds with herself and it's because she has a different relationship whereas me and Alonzo are going back having our parents be immigrants. Her parents are these white people. She wanted to go on her own uh, away from them. She obviously hid it from her family and she's kind of um, both battling with the idea of like learning more about herself with the disappointment of you know being why she was put up to for adoption and I don't think it's helped by how uh, apologetic everyone's being it, it seems like it only makes it worse there's a trip in this in the sense of like she's because she's a pretty selfish person like you meet her and you're like oh this gal's a wild card like she has wild card eyes wild card hair like she is up for ruffling feathers and to put her in an area where she feels sort of awkward like you're always like oh how is she going to flail in a way that's going to inflict pain on herself or others even accidentally like there's there's so much of an emotional like corkage that's happening with freddie that's kind of fantastic but it's also it's tied in in such a succinct way to the idea like she's mid-20s right like that's when you are I mean, well, truly some people maybe already got there, but a lot of people like that, that's another level of coming of age, right? Like yeah. that's when your identity as, as an individual is really being cemented. You're away from your family, you're building your own life, you're figuring your own path. And for adopted kids, like my sister was adopted, but in like the reverse, like my parents had her in college and she was adopted and raised by another family and found us in her 20s and no one knew about her until then other than my parents they did they did uh, they were aware what was happening yeah but like an adopted person seeking the path to identity and how that can like be fragmented in such difficult emotional ways and then you put it in a character like freddie who's like oh i want to run everything like i i want to have beat my own drum and run my own thing and i'm also doing it while trying to navigate this like emotional minefield it was i mean what a great if you're doing a really sort of introspective film like this what a good setting and character to give it you don't have to do a lot like there's so many little boom 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 that keep happening and and i think that there's so much to her as a human being that it keeps this from being like well this is what the experience of all adoptees yeah. would be like returning home like she's got so much other stuff going on in addition to this and yes you can sort of point out aspects of her personality aspects of the way that she interacts with other people that is shaped by her by this specific experience but i think it would it's, it's oversimplifying to say well that's everything to her is because she was given her for adoption because she was raised in the west because she feels out of place here like she's so much of an individual and a person as as created by the filmmaker and and, and certainly by the actress who by the way first timer Jesus. You know, which is She's just so good. blows me away. It's like right up there with like worst person in the world in terms of like, I can't believe you are not a movie star because you uh, you just are so natural and so good at this, you know. But yeah, 
first film. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that the the all of all of the many colors in her paint box sort of kept it from just trying to be this sort of like blanket statement about here's what this generation does or whatever, you know. It's captured in a funny way too. Like mm. the stuff with her, so she ends up meeting with her father's, like her birth father's family, and just the process of like people always having to translate for her, which is a very real stepping stone or like the overly emotional grandmother who literally like touches her hair while she's sleeping. Did you guys physically have a reaction to that? Like this moaning old crying, weeping woman sleeping next to her and like petting her head as she slept. I was like, I was curling into myself. I was feeling that in my gut. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm right in this moment. Oh, get me out of here. And so then when you next see her, it's like a wide shot from the street and she's waiting for a cab. Like, I was like, yeah, I would also be like, is there an Uber here? Get out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I also felt like uh, it's interesting because you're, you're seeing, you're seeing a, a, a story that is, is definitely uh, like dense with different, like, struggles and attitudes towards it but it's all centered around a person who's like probably just not a good person i feel like by the end of the movie you just have to accept that like so often when people have any sort of trauma or struggle we want to believe if they didn't have that thing they'd be a better version of themselves it's like no an asshole can get hit by a car like it there's no there's no real connection between like like trauma and who a person is deep down it's like at at every turn it's like oh yeah you just you also might be mean all by yourself you know yeah and uh and i think that it made it feel a little less um like in in real life things are more balanced than we like to to believe they are and like two Mm. two things can be true or two people can be the villain or you know like like American storytelling has a way of like really pitting ultimate good versus ultimate evil all the time. And like under no uncertain circumstances, like this character is a Nazi, like, like (laughs) that, that thing happens a lot with us. And so I feel like when you're watching a movie that has, um, people who you can kind of like understand, even if you feel like what they did was wrong, I think that, uh, there's definitely something to be said for the fact that, that it's like this is also happening to someone who I feel like how, how do I put this? It's like at a certain age as well. Uh, this isn't fair. This is just how I feel. At a certain age, you stop uh, caring that much about someone's trauma. Like if you like if someone told me something happened to them when they were 10 and they're 18 i'm like all right that was less than half your life ago but if they're like 40 i'm like you you could you could you, have decades of therapy under your belt yeah, by now you could, have, <laughs> you could have been going somewhere you could have been talking yeah. to somebody there's really no reason to be like uh you know holding this grocery store up at gunpoint you know and i do love what you said about it not, the that the the approach of this storytelling isn't the American way because in this storytelling the very complicated female we get also becomes literal fashionable arms dealer at a certain point <laughs> like it's yeah, not yeah. it's not like oh like we have to make sure we like her in certain ways like oh no girl can just remain 
amazingly complicated and probably terrible at a certain point. Like, yeah, because even when her dad was like weapons dealing for the war or what, like even past any language barrier, he was like, oh, I think I I made a monster, you know, even though the cab thing was weird, I didn't get that cab thing. Where he was like hailing the macabre after they play the song, I was kind of like, "Oh, is he done with her?" I, yeah, like, that's that's I, what, okay. like that was because even the boyfriend is like, "Was that normal?" Like, I think <laughs> everyone watching the movie and everyone in the movie was like, "This is weird, right?" Because it's not <laughs> like he gets upset with her. They still play the song. They're still like at dinner for what seems like hours later, and then he's like, "She's like, oh, he's getting us a cab," and then he's like very rush rush with them and i didn't get what that was i didn't blink at that at all like to me that was just this man who has been absolutely hamstrung about being helpful in any way to her life of like he can't he doesn't speak her language he doesn't know what she needs he keeps asking her if she wants things she he like forces this ugly pair of shoes on her because he just wants to give her something and like in the one moment where he's like we are leaving a place and she needs to go a place. I don't have to know her language to know she's going to need a cab. And so he's like, I'm going to do it. I just got like an overeager. I can finally do something helpful from that I f- moment. I feel you on that. I guess my thing is they, they set up in the movie that every time she feels rejection from her parents, that's a trigger for her to then do something evil. And right after <laughs> that, she does something evil. So then I'm like, oh, is this a pairing or is this... Or she just do that one because she felt like it. It was a freebie. Yeah. 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 It was a freebie. I, it's, yeah. My kind of take in the wild thing is it felt like, you know, every time we saw him before, then he just tries to have as much time as he can with her. And this is the first time we see him be like, all right, you out. Like, mm. and it is after this, like, weapons dealing, which, like, the specific way it was translated to him, too, I could see why he's like, this sounds like you on some other stuff. Because remember, she was like, it she thinks it's her destiny to save us from North Korea. And he's like, Oh, she's, she's, she's done here. <laughs> but I, I honestly still felt like more of his takeaway from that meal was a disappointment in her white boyfriend. Like yeah. he wanted to have her move there and get a nice Korean boyfriend. <laughs> we are absolutely like getting into real specific moments deep in it. Don't worry. You can still watch this film and oh, yeah. you will not be like, Oh no. I knew her dad was going to get a cab. <laughs> yeah. Fear not. Oh, yeah. That, that won't spoil anything for and you. And as you can hear, there's many different interpretations of this That's interaction. <laughs> so, yeah, let us know what you thought it meant. Uh, but, yeah, no, it, that yeah, that moment was when I just kind of was like, all right, she's uh, she's on some other stuff. Uh, when she was like, I could just delete you out of my life. I was like, this person stinks. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I was like, very glad that she then later is like alone because i'm like i've i've just met people who would stick around after that i'm yeah, like yeah. oh geez all right at least he had a sense enough to get away yeah but he i mean who knows like, if he got away but he just right. wasn't there later he seemed like a nice dum-dum though i was not like oh no she's gonna miss that guy i'm like no he's gonna be better off he's gonna find a benign French woman, and it'll be fine. And he could talk about selling arms for peace or whatever. (laughs) I thought, so in, in referring to like seeing her alone. So 
this movie does these very dramatic, like, you, we're in that first section when she's in Seoul by herself for, like, the first half of the movie. So if you watch this sort of blindly, I was like, oh, I'm going to be in this one trip to Seoul with her this whole time. And I wasn't aware that there were going to be these other sort of flash forwards. The other thing that stood out to me about her initial trip to Seoul is she befriends this very sweet woman who works at, like, the hostel or something who speaks French, um... And then just absolutely takes advantage of her, her <laughs> entire trip. She's like, oh, okay, I'm going through all this stuff and you have to come with me as a translator. You also have to be my emotional support. I'm also going to run roughshod over everything you tell me is like a cultural moray or a sign of respect. And that was such a funny... There was so much authenticity in that to me of like, yes, you have those weird, like if you're traveling, you meet people you become friends with and you're like way too close, way too fast. And like, it was just this, oh, how did you set up an amazingly toxic friendship in hours? In yeah, it was also hours very of European arrival. of her. <laughs> <laughs> she is French, right? Yeah, yeah. She just rolled in and was like, you're probably not doing anything in your country. How about you take on my agenda? I have an itinerary for you. <laughs> I was like, geez, okay. I guess. Yeah, I also like, <laughs> it, was, it was funny because, you know, I kind of went in blind and I definitely thought there was some sexual tension between her and the lady. Absolutely. So then at the, mm. then at the end when she makes the move, I was like, ah, you, you waited too long. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even that she waited too long. She did seven mean things in front of her. <laughs> it's not like, like if, if they had gone, if she had gone for it right after she drank the first little bit of suju, then it's probably happening. But you yeah. just, She's been trying to stop you from being the devil all night. <laughs> she literally says, stop saying that that's not true to the other guy. And she's like, and clearly that guy's in a bad way. He doesn't yeah. even look oh well. So oh. then it's like, me. why would you, that that dude's gonna go kill himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, that, after you've just pressed yeah. this dude and pressed this dude, now you're gonna lay it in? Like, no. That was another level of authenticity. As someone whose best friend is half Japanese. I know the Asian flush well, the drinking flush. Oh, that yeah. guy was like uh, fluorescent pink. I'm like, oh yeah. no, please he, don't he, serve he, him anymore. I was oh, like, I'm no. going to gas myself up. I'm going to get nice and tossed and then I'll be able to profess my love. Oh <laughs> no. Cringe. Just so much uh, cringe. Yeah, that was that was that was painful. I that was, was like, a rough one. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, was like <laughs> I was like, somebody save him. Like I really wanted the movie to be about him for a second, just so somebody could step in and be like, stop. Stop right now. This is a bad person. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Mm. Vote. We uh, yeah. this movie we Talked about everything and nothing, which is kind of fitting, right? So we yeah, probably yeah, yeah. should vote. Like, yeah, yeah. So let's go and vote. The way we rate movies on this pod is screen it being the highest, stream it being the second level, skip it being self-explanatory. Who wants to kick this off? Oh, I'm a screen it for sure. Uh, this is a movie where, uh, yeah, again, I, I feel like I could watch it again right now and and come away with sort of different moments and aspects that really kind of key into things, you know, maybe not necessarily like the character of Freddie anymore, but, but uh, understand her in ways or at least get a clearer idea of her MO, you know, her patterns of behavior, whatever it is. But yeah, Park Ji-min is just on fire in this movie. It's one of the great performances 
uh, of the last year, and I really hope more people see it, and I hope that she, you know, decides to keep at this and not just be like, yeah, that was fun, I'm moving on, you know, because she's she's got that thing that you want, you know, actors in film to have, and, and I, I, I can't wait to see what else she's she's got to give us. Mm. Yeah, I'm right behind that. I'm also a screen it. This is up for Best International Film at the Spirit Awards. Um, so I got to see it a minute ago and love it. We'll definitely be rewatching. And it really does. It's it's giving you a lot with like every little scenario. There's so many things happening, like the undercurrents of how people are relating to each other. But it all centers on this incredible performance. And I when it started and I was already like, oh, she's so open. Like I know everything that's happening, the thinking that she's doing. And she gets to play like four different characters because you keep seeing her at different stages of her life. And each time she's evolved in very interesting ways. So when this started and she was so strong, I was like, oh, I hope she gets the Ava Green, like gets to be a Bond girl, like some other Mm. French. And then it finished. And I was like, no, I hope she gets to be a Bond villain. That is what I hope for Park Jimin. Mm. Um, I think think I'm going to have to say stream it. I think that for me... um, when there are things that are happening that are sad, this is like my personal taste. When things are happening that are sad and I'm not rooting for anyone, I'm like, I think that if I wanted to be bummed out, I would just look outside. Like, I think I would just get on the train in New York and then follow someone. And I think I'd be sad enough. I don't know if I like, it's not as if this isn't a beautifully made film with incredible acting. Like there are so many, I would recommend it to a friend, but I'd also, it it has that thing in a drama where you don't know if you recommend it when the person's in a good mood or a bad (laughs) mood, because then it's like, there, I'm at no point was I like, man, I really hope this person <laughs> wins out over everybody. It's like everyone kind of uh, is in their own sort of purgatory as far as feelings for the audience, the whole film. Like I haven't I when I was watching it, I wasn't rooting for anyone in particular, but I wasn't against anyone. I was just witnessing, which I think is the mark of good storytelling. Um, yeah. But also. Ooh, as a person that doesn't love to be bummed out. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I am also a screen at uh, great shots. Uh, I didn't even mention my crush on uh, Park G-Men once, uh, but, you know, definitely, you know, uh, maybe Drea brings me to the Spirit Awards and we see what happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... On that note, we'll be right back after we hear from another show from Maximum Fun. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring people back from the dead. That would be crazy, but the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org. Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. 
You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur murdered them? I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera, or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase. The Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, everyone. Anyway, in the studio with me are... Alonzo Duralde. Josh Johnson. Drea Clark. In Return to Soul, we do just that with the lead character, Freddy, several times over the course of her life. In that respect, this movie joins the pantheon of movies with time skips, which often feature that infamous and surprising title card telling us that a certain number of years have passed between scenes. Marissa has turned that into some kind of game for us. <laughs> so let's get her in here and tell us about that. All right. Hi. So we'll add this to um, the category of probably too hastily researched uh, quizzes by Marissa. But we're going to have a new element to this, okay? Everybody's going to play because what we're going to do is we're going to do Price is Right rules. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what movie I'm talking about. I'm going to tell you what scene I'm talking about. What I want to know from you guys is how many years it was between scenes that I'm describing, okay? And everybody, give me a number. The closest go without going over. The closest without going, <laughs> without over, going over. Okay. Gets the point. All right. Let's start with a what could potentially be an easy one, I don't know. Um in Avengers Endgame. So, end of the movie, Thanos snaps his fingers. There's a big title card. In the next scene, Captain America is leading a support group. How many years have passed? Do we go one? Do we? Raise Are you going to call on us, or how do you want to do it? Uh, why don't you start, um, Drea? Five. So if she says five, none of us can say five now, or you guys can all say whatever number you oh, want. I, I'm also saying five. Um, yeah, I'll say four years, uh, three hundred days. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it hadn't quite been five years. <laughs> Maybe until the next scene. I could be wrong. I'm not. This is this is a big swing because five is clearly the right answer. But I just, in, I wonder if there's going to be some Marvel like like yeah. obsessive yeah. fan that's like mm. actually, you know. Yeah, here's hoping. Ify, are you going to be that Marvel fan? No, I'm going to say five as well. I'm going to ride the five train. Yes, it, very slowly the words appear on the screen. Five years later. Phew. Here's another one that similarly does the X years later uh, title card. In uh, the movie Castaway, we have you know Tom Hanks. He is on an island. Uh, he's having a hard time. I believe he's like trying to extract his own tooth. He passes out. We get a title card. When he wakes up, Got a big scraggly beard, and boy, some shit's gone down. How many years have passed? Iffy, why don't you go first this uh, time? I'm going around my circle. All right. You, you set me up here. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, I must I say. I didn't mean to. No, it's all good. It's all good because, I, you know, I did, every time I do this, even though I'm after someone that, I definitely knew the right answer. And this one, you know, I might mix it up. I must say two years. 
Okay. Two years of Alonzo? Yeah, I was trying to do like hair math, and I, I two years sounds good. Josh? I never saw Castaway, so I'm going to go ahead, because he looks real disheveled. I'm going to say five <laughs> years. He doesn't look good at all, so. Okay, Andrea? Uh, three? Oh, Andrea gets it, because the answer is four years later. Ooh. Wow. Mm. I think my four years of beard would have been more than than T. Yeah. Hanks grew, but who knows? Yeah. Well, maybe he was using some kind of coral or shell or something to go. just get that a little a little shorter. All right, let's go to uh, It Chapter 2. Uh, and It mm. Chapter 2 starts with a clip of the kids from the first movie sitting around talking about what they'll be like in the future. First few minutes, we get some words on the screen. How many years later do the rest of the events of the film take place? Uh, Alonzo, you gotta go first this time. Uh, I'll say 18 years later? 18. Josh. I didn't see this movie either. I'm, I'm gonna do 10. <laughs> 10. Drea? Oh, shit. I uh, hope you're playing along at home, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, f- 15. Iffy. That was gonna be my guess, and I'm gonna rock with Drea for 15. All right, well, Alonzo has it, because the actual answer is 27 years later. God, we, we are not. Uh, also, yeah. I'm thinking now, I'm like, yeah, Bill Hader's not 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, the uh, apparently it's part of the It lore in Stephen King that It comes back every 27 oh, years. That's like, true. That's what it does. True. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, let's move on to the uh, Stanley Kubrick portion of the game. Uh, we'll start with... AI, where Haley Joel Osment's young uh, robot. Josh uh, this loves time this at, movie. Um, this time <laughs> toward the end of the movie, uh, he is, I think he's on Coney Island. He's making a wish to some mm-hmm. sort of the blue fairy. angel the blue, statue. Yeah, the blue fairy from Pinocchio. Oh, you guys all know what's up. I love it. Yeah, but you I remember won't know better this than number. I do, probably. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> I'm going to let you and know. And then we skip to a future. Spoilers for AI. There's, it's been, it's frozen over, and some uh, people like dig up Haley Joel Osment's robot and take him to the rest of the movie. How many years later, Josh, you get to start this time? I, I so I saw this movie once, and it really freaked me out, like bad. Like I, like I didn't want, cause, but we had to watch it because my mom had already rented it, and we didn't have money to be really renting movies, like you know, just willy nilly. And so she was like, "We're gonna get." <laughs> this four dollars worth so open your eyes sort of thing and so i missed a lot of it and i'm gonna just say a hundred years just to i i have no idea solid all right solid like ice drea um i feel like it's a long time like more than a hundred years i'm gonna say more i'm gonna say 800 i'm not 800 years Ify, how do you counter 800? Is it gonna oh, be I like was going to go for a uh, thousand. Oh, All right. Because they, it's and, like a, a couple millennia. Oh. So, I mean, price is right, Alonzo. You could go one year. You could go a thousand in one years. Or anything above or below in between. I'll say 101 years. 101 years. Well, guess what, Ify? This one belongs to you because it is 2,000 years <laughs> wow. later. 
There's not that's that's not even possible. Yeah, it's not no. even really no. worth being in the what? movie at that point. Like <laughs> tell me. That's that's like tell the story of the Egyptians and then tell the story of the Yankees. It's like, well, come on now. Well, and it's like robots that find yeah, like like robots alien, that find him, yeah, right? These aliens find him and allow him to live out his dream somehow. That I that's well, weird. it's like it's like that Monty Python joke where a movie would be like, you know, three thousand BC Thursday, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, um, good. All right. I got oh here's another Stanley Kubrick for you. Just a little cheeky one. At the very beginning, uh you know, it's actually a fair number of minutes into two thousand one oh, Space God, Odyssey. I knew you were ask <laughs> we have a um, you know, early man oh. uh throws a bone into the air and that bone fades and is replaced with a spaceship out in space. How many years later? Drea, you're kicking this off. Oh crap. I honestly have zero clue. I don't remember. I mean, as you guys know, my favorite of his films is Eyes Wide Shut, so <laughs> I'm certainly not going to take in the minutia of this. I, I don't know. Any time jumps in Eyes Wide Shut? No. God, no, just like me, me jumping to the end. It's actually, um, like, it's actually like three <laughs> days the whole movie, I think. That yeah, you want to talk about somebody being mean. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Eyes wide shut. Why'd she even tell him that stuff? She like woke up, oh, I had a dream. I was laughing at you. I was, uh, I was like, jeez. <laughs> they, she would get along with uh, with Freddie. Okay, um, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll say again. I'm going to just say 800 years again because I got that wrong before and why not do that again? I was going to okay. say that or four. Because those are four years later. Those are previous answers. Four, four I get. years. Yeah. From the from the prehistoric yeah. man to the spaceship in the, yeah. in the sky. Okay. I'm gonna do 800. Um, okay, Iffy. Yeah. Um, what it's, were the scenes? It's definitely before the Renaissance. Keeping in mind that, keeping in mind that this movie is theoretically set in yeah. our reality. No, I know. Yeah. Um, we've got prehistoric man mm-hmm. throws a bone in the air. Cut to spaceship, manned spaceship okay. out in space. Okay. You are operating. I'm in my reading of 2001. It's not Earthmen in the spaceship. Mm, so. Okay, fair. Okay. I accept um, that. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna. I'm gonna go for the. Uh, you know, 2001 years later. Oh, cool, cool. Kubrick so, be like that. So the ca- the cavemen are Jesus. Then um, I would say <laughs> five thousand. Josh? 8,000? Because I feel like they can't... How are you going to... First of all, I don't think any of us are allowed to be wrong. Because it's like, it's too much time. <laughs> this is just like the last question where it's like, if you're going to make it prehistoric and then shoot it into the future, mm, all right, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh gets it. Um, now I'm feeling better about my claim at the beginning that this was hastily researched, but... Um, the number that I have written down here from courtesy of the internet is four million years later. Uh. <laughs> That's, are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's 800. <laughs> Check it yeah. again. I think so the I, was, I was using, you know, the Lord's calendar. Uh, so. You were literally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you weren't counting like a heathen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, the earth was not even like created four million years ago, right? Um that's great. What a great, great round to go out on. Thank you guys for being such good sports. Um, Thank you for researching. Oh, yeah. Hastily or otherwise. Hey, you know, I actually maybe 
uh, took me a little more time yeah. than I'm giving myself credit for here on this program. But, you know, it's actually kind of hard to research. Like, I, I did not watch, rewatch all, like, nine of these movies. What? Um, I'm sorry to say. But maybe I will now. Um, I hope everybody had a good time with this one. I know this is a little bit of a weird one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I enjoy... Enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs> Thank this you, is what I, The sentence I started saying, so I'm going to finish saying it. Thanks. Well, mm. on that note, it's time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Who wants to kick us off? I, I'll go. Alonzo and I both did the same half of <laughs> The Inhale. Me, you? Yeah. Um, so this movie very much brought to mind a documentary made by a friend of mine, um, Call her name is Linda Goldstein Knowlton. The film is called Somewhere Between, and it's a documentary from 2012 that's centered around her adopted daughter um, and looking into her daughter's um, adoptee adoptive um, life in China. And um, it is about four young girls um, who are all in transracial American families adopted from China, um, which was a large percentage of them um, came to be during the one child policy. And when the families were like, you know what, we get one kid and we don't want it to be a girl. Um, and so a lot of those girls ended up here in the U.S. with white families. And they really beautifully handle it. And the girls are uh, wonderful and rambunctious and weird and hilarious as kids can be. And then they go back to China and um, some of them get to meet their birth parents, birth mothers. Um, it's a lot. It's great. Uh, somewhere between it is on Alonzo, one of Alonzo's networks, Tubi oh, and right. Voodoo and Pluto. You can watch it for free with ads on those. It's also available for rent or purchase on like Apple and Amazon and all that. So I was thinking about the idea of, you know, what is home? Can you return to it? Uh, you know, um, how are we shaped by the past? And, and is it something that once it's gone, you know, we can never be recaptured? And weirdly enough, I was having those same feelings this weekend. Uh, I rewatched for the first time in years a movie I really love, uh, David Byrne's True Stories from 1986, uh, which is just a, a charming and funny and quirky and weird and has you know great musical bits and an early uh, John Goodman performance where you like you just knew this guy was going to be uh, you know a major thing and what what makes me feel kind of wistful watching it now is that it reminds me of all the best parts of Texas the 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 kind of eccentricity and individualism that doesn't feel like it's performative and it doesn't feel like it's, you know, brand building. It just is, you know, there, there are people there who just, they do their thing because they like to and they can and they want it. And, and, you know, uh, and, and I was reminded of that while watching true stories, but the, the, the bittersweet part was kind of the thought of that, you know, Texas in, in the last couple of decades has just gotten so politically toxic you know, uh, Greg Abbott and all those, you know, Ted Cruz, all those a-holes, um, you know, being just awful. And I think I could never, ever live in Texas again. And that's sad because there are, I, I still have friends in Dallas and there's a lot of things about it that I love. And, and True Stories really reminded me that there are things there that, that, that are, you know, you don't find anywhere else and that, that are are great. But I don't think that now those things would be balanced out for me by how 
utterly awful. So much of the policy and, and, you know, day-to-day shit that happens in Texas is. So anyway, uh, that's, that's my, uh, that's my movie. It is streaming for free with ads on YouTube. It's available for rent. And, uh, if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. Nice. Josh, what you got? So I'm I'm actually going to put this in the chat so everyone can check it out for themselves. But it's a uh, documentary called Rise of the Young Wolf, and it is about air hockey. Because oh. back in the day, they, uh, they really thought so many air hockey tables were being made that they thought it was going to be bigger than table tennis and pool combined and so then a bunch of people start putting their resources into tracking air hockey players that were really good and making documentaries and trying to like be ahead of the curb and turns out there was no curb um (laughs) it didn't really blow up it didn't really do numbers and the video that i just sent you only has 1.7 thousand views but if you want to see what people who take air hockey seriously look like. Um, They look like me and they look like everyone in the dock, which is exactly who you think they look like. There's no surprises here. There's not a single person where you're like, really them air hockey? Wow. Um, And so I think everyone can enjoy it because the documentary genuinely takes itself so seriously that it almost makes you take air hockey seriously. Uh, and that's from someone who loves air hockey. But wow, this was what a misstep. Um, but it is beautifully made, especially for the 90s. They are clearly using cutting edge cameras from back yes. in the day. And uh, it actually is impressive the way that these guys score on each other. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I figured I'd share it. Um It's not going to win any awards, and I'm sure no one remembers it. Even the people in it probably don't remember that they did it because they were just playing air hockey on a Saturday, and someone put a camera in their face. But it it's a real glimpse into Americana. I love a deep, obscure cut. Mm -hmm. Good. I'm going to beep that one. Iffy, what you got? Oh, well, you know, much like you, this movie had me thinking about adoption as well and adoption movies that are out there. So I definitely wanted to uh, try and continue that theme. So I chose none other than, uh, you know, a a, a film uh, about that by Spanish film director Jean Colette Serra. Uh, One Orphan, uh, 2009 (laughs) Orphan, uh, you know, which shows you the other side of adoption. Uh, They don't they don't want you to know it. But when you watch this, you will Uh, be careful who you adopt. It can be in an older Russian woman. <laughs> oh, is she? Oh, is she a Russian? Like, is she real? She's old. Yeah, oh, yeah that's you just the, you oh, just gave away the oh, end. Yeah, sorry, spoiled, yeah, spoiled orphan. Yeah, she's actually. That's the thing is, she's not a child. It's a it's a woman. It's no, an I, old thought woman that. Look, I thought that. I thought that because then I saw the because uh, then I saw her and I was like, no, that's an old person, right? <laughs> but well, then I the didn't want to be right because I didn't. The first one, she's played by a child. Uh, yeah, she's a twelve-year-old yeah. girl. That, you know, I just want to remind people, adoption can be a great thing for many families who are looking to. Yeah, this well, almost yes, that's, a, that's and, very yes, true. This almost never happens. Yeah. Odds yeah. are very good that you will not wind yeah. up yeah. with a thirty-something get a middle-aged uh, Russian, Russian woman. woman. Yeah. Yes, Probably. but it's not an absolute. It is not an absolute. <laughs> 
Uh, so watch out for that. Uh, more than zero are the odds. <laughs> yes. that, we, uh, uh, we, we did a, a 2022 in review show for LK with a bunch of film critics and stuff. And we asked Dave, what, what do you want to see in 2023? And he said, uh, Orphan versus Megan. That's going to be the new generation's Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, <laughs> I remember kids talking about that movie way before it came out. They're like, it's coming, it's coming. That's and it was, this was like, you know, before the internet. So I don't know where these kids were getting this information from, but we were so sure. Variety. That it did happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, the kids in my elementary school were picking up their variety. They got a deadline. The Bafo B.O. Yeah. Can I get the Nintendo Power and variety? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, uh, thank you to Josh Johnson. Yay. Yeah, Tell us about your new special and anything else you want to plug. Uh, yeah, if you enjoy my voice or humor, I have two <laughs> podcasts. Uh, they both come out on Thursdays. One is called The Josh Johnson Show, where I'm basically am making a living memoir that one of my best friends roasts as I as I say it uh, so it's me talking about my life and then my friend telling me how bad or dumb the things I've done are and then the other one is a podcast I do with Dulce Sloan of The Daily Show and we go up head to head every week comparing things like indoor pools versus outdoor pools chocolate versus vanilla um, you know, French fries versus nachos, right? And if you're looking for my stand-up, I just released a special on Peacock called Up Here Killing Myself. I took an hour of my talk therapy and then uh, transformed it into an hour of jokes that you'll see in the special, uh, going back and forth between the therapy session that I had and the special that I made. And then other than that, you can just hit me up Anytime. I'm uh, depressingly free. Uh, you can catch me on YouTube at Josh Johnson Comedy as well as Instagram and TikTok at Josh Johnson Comedy. Um, but thank you for listening to me and thank you for having me. This, okay. is, this has been really fun and it's been great to meet all of you either again or virtually. Yay, yes. thanks for being here. All right. Well, uh, you know, Dre and Alonzo, thank you for another wonderful show. And uh, listener, listening right now, who's just chuckling with us, uh, thank you for listening. And if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum Film or send us an email at Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is the wonderful Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is also wonderful. Well, also wonderful. Her name is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Bye-bye. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.